0: It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. To journey with God is to witness His hand tracing a path for your life that is sometimes unseen, sometimes scary, sometimes uncertain. But of this one thing we can be certain it is always good. So here we are at the midpoint of Missions Conference 2016. We really hope you've had a chance to take advantage of some of the events and special things that are happening around this Missions Conference and that you've been challenged and inspired to further step up your commitment to God's global agenda, however God may be leading you. For those of you who may not know us very well, um, as uh, Candace introduced, I'm Trevor, this is my wife Patty, and in 2013, together with our two young boys that you see in the picture there, we were sent out by Rexdale to live and work among the Soli people in Southeast Asia. But before we get too deep into the story, we want to take just a quick moment to publicly thank you as our home church for sending us for commissioning us, for praying for us. And we want to express our deepest gratitude for the support we received from Rexdale Alliance Church. So let's get back to the story. The date was November 3rd, 2013. We stood before you that weekend, much like we're standing before you this weekend, right here on this stage. The plan was to serve as international workers, reaching out to the local people on Soli Island through a variety of development projects and, of course, building relationships with the local people. Setting out that day in November 2013, we knew there would be bumps along the way, but I don't think we could have anticipated that the struggles with illness, with purpose, and the inability to secure a long-term visa to stay would be the pervasive issues we faced on a daily basis. We did a lot of waiting, a lot of wondering, and a lot of praying over those, those two years. So, it came to the point, as we reflected on the struggles, it became clear that God was calling us back home. After much prayer, wrestling with God, seeking God's will, for our future, and are receiving wise counsel from pastors here and the elders here. We decided that the best thing for our family at that time was to return home again. So again, we embarked on a journey of obedience, much like the one that took us to Southeast Asia, but now the return trip home, not knowing what lay ahead for us left us with many questions. Has our calling changed? Did we somehow get it wrong that day that we stepped on the plane? We don't feel that we made a mistake. God does not make mistakes. Our calling is the same. It just looks a little different now. The essence and foundation remain the same. We as a family are still committed to Jesus and his mission around the world. We continue to intentionally reach out to the nations by maintaining the relationships that we started while we were over there. We had a chance to live amongst the people, to share life with them, and to share the good news of the gospel, to speak that into their lives. My new role with World Vision Canada also allows us to keep focused on the nations, the struggle of refugees and internally displaced people in countries like South Sudan and the plight of the oppressed and the poor around the world. And closer to home, we have an amazing international community right in our own neighborhood that we strategically meet and reach out to. We've been able to keep our head in the game And it's all about staying connected to his mission and to your involvement in it. So that brings you, in a nutshell, up to date on how we went from being sent to the nations to being called back home to serve the nations right here in Toronto. It's been a journey that has stretched and challenged our faith. It has been hard. It has left us on our knees. Before God, it's challenged our faith and our commitment to His mission in the world. But it's also brought us closer to the one who is leading the mission. And we have watched and been amazed by how He has redeemed each step of our journey and provided our needs in miraculous ways. So we are convinced that God did not make a mistake. And we did not make a mistake. And our time in Southeast Asia, among the Soli people, was not a mistake. In the next few minutes, we hope to demonstrate how many have you, many of you, have played a significant role in our journey, and how you can continue to bless not only us but the workers that remain in the field.
1: In Isaiah 62, uh, verse 6 and 7, we were reminded of the role of the watchmen, the people that are committed to prayer. And it says, On your walls O Jerusalem I have appointed and stationed watchmen prophets who will never keep silent day or night, who will profess the Lord that take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest for your prayers until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise on the earth. So what did the commitment look like? What were the effects and the results or those who were part of our journey? Through both of our decisions of first going and then coming back home, we saw absolute evidence of God's love and faithfulness towards our family. This morning we want to highlight some of those God stories that we saw and experienced through people here at Rexdale that had made a commitment to pray and support us throughout in this journey. Before we left for Southeast Asia, one of our prayer requests was that we would be able to find good caregivers for Nick and Jake. Through your constant prayers, God provided these two amazing women that loved, cared, prayed with us even if they were not believers, that cried with us when our kids were sick that laughed with us, celebrated new stages of our children's lives and each milestone of our local language learning. We could have not asked for anyone else that have been so faithful and loving to us, even though each of them carried their own problems through life. We continue to ask you to pray that God would provide local friends and for continued good health. One of our prayer supporters for many years that has been in this journey with us um, since the beginning of our international work. He mailed us one afternoon and said, it's one in the morning right now here in Toronto, and I have been woken up by the Lord to pray for you, for your health, and for new friends. As you can see from these pictures, we made some awesome friends. Yet again, it was another testament of God's faithfulness and provision as he used faithful prayer warriors to bless us. As we continued to journey, a single mother of five wrote us an email mentioning that she has been praying through each one of our prayer requests. And since then, her perspective of her problems had taken a shift, and she was feeling encouraged and hopeful for her own unanswered prayers. Pastor Vijay on Thursday night on Solemn Assembly um, he described a beautiful perspective of how prayer impacts both the one praying and the one you've been praying, prayed for. Prayer is the one thing that seems to change everything. Is that when I pray, I get closer to God. That when I pray, I get closer to those I am with. That when I pray, I start to understand my own self more and the world around me changes. Is there anything that we can do that has that kind of effect on every level of our lives?
0: I have one last story uh, before we finish our time this morning. And it's about as up to date um, as it's going to get. Last week, I was in South Sudan. Um, On Tuesday morning... Uh, My team and I set off in our vehicles to visit a project site. It was about a two-hour drive north of the capital city, and about 45 minutes into the trip, we were stopped at a military checkpoint. And it was a routine checkpoint, so we weren't surprised. Um, But this time, something was different. Um, The soldiers proceeded to request... The, uh, the team to exit the vehicle, and all of them, except for me, were taken into the national security office, the tent at the side of the road. Um, they left me sitting in the car by myself, and i I sat there wondering what was gonna, what was going to come of this stop We didn't know what the purpose was of what they were doing inside this tent. So, as the nervousness built up, I began to pray. I prayed that we would be released without further incident. I prayed for my team in the tent. And I prayed that the Lord would wake somebody up in Canada to pray for us. This was happening at 10.30 a.m. local time. Fast forward a little bit, we were released. We were able to proceed through the checkpoint and carry on with our our visit. I returned home or back to the hotel that night, and this email was waiting for me in my inbox. It was an email by a, a sweet, dear prayer warrior friend of ours, and she was writing to Patty. She said, I awakened at 2 o'clock in the morning and I couldn't get Trevor out of my mind, so I spent that time praying for him. 2 o'clock a.m. Toronto time is 10 o'clock a.m. South Sudan time. I was sitting in that car praying for somebody to wake up and pray for us. And that was confirmation that God heard she didn't know what was happening. But God knew what me and my team needed. So, we want to leave you now with just a few thoughts, some challenges um, for you to consider. Your, your role and your, your, um, your involvement in God's global agenda a couple points in the last year how much has your involvement with God's global mission changed think about it in the last year what changes have taken within you because you got involved in God's global mission what is it going to take for you to allow yourself to be the one to be woken up at 2 a.m. Praying for somebody on the other side of the world, unknown, unseen, but somebody who needs to be prayed for. And maybe it's time that you're being nudged by the Holy Spirit to take a step of obedience, to become an international worker, to do a short-term trip, to explore further your role in the mission. Don't be afraid to be bold and ask God for you to be that one to be woken up. Burdened for someone that you don't know. The worst that can happen is you'll lose a bit of sleep. You'll get that back, don't worry. The best that can happen? You will be a change maker an influencer, and a difference maker in God's kingdom-building work. You will make a difference in the life of an international worker who might be struggling and needing some support. Your prayers will thrust you to the front lines of the battle alongside that international worker. So be ready for the Spirit's leading. Be ready for his prompting it may come in the middle of the night it might come in the middle of the day it might come while you're driving while you're at work but heed it because they need it be ready for it and respond
2: Last week, we heard from Claire about listening to God. And she talked about the need to spend time worshiping Him, sitting at His feet, listening to Him, and then praying in accordance with what we'd heard. And we've tried to make this our practice over the past several years, exalting Him, listening, and then responding in prayer. And it's transformed our prayer lives. But sometimes, like Trevor just shared, God chooses to speak to us at times other than those times that we've set aside for him. And that's what happened to me in April 2014. I was having lunch with a friend who was returning to the United States, and she was sharing with me just how difficult it was to pack up after so many years overseas. And as she said that, I heard the Spirit say to me, you need to start packing too. This caught me completely by surprise. We had no plans of leaving. We had no thoughts of leaving. It was nowhere on our radar. And when I went home that night, I shared with Suresh, and he said, that makes no sense at all. Why would we leave now if things are going well? Work's at a good spot. The kids are at a good place. I tried to make sense of it. I tried to find a reason for it. The only thing I could come up with is, well, the visa laws are changing, maybe we're gonna get kicked out and the Holy Spirit is just giving us advance warning. Uh, But in any case, when we returned home for home assignment in June of that year, in obedience to what we'd heard, we packed up some of our treasures, our photo albums, things that we didn't wanna lose, and we packed them and brought them home. And then really didn't give it a whole lot more thought because we didn't know what there was to think about. But a few months later, At our home ministry seminar in August, Suresh uh, was talking to Brem friends from our national office and just asked him how it was going with filling a position uh, that was vacant. And the reason for the question was that a month earlier, in a small group setting, Brem had asked for prayer and Suresh had prayed with him. So Brem shared that they had had somebody for the position, but it had fallen through. And he said, but we're not worried because we believe that this person probably was not the person for the job. And as Bram shared that with Suresh, Suresh heard the spirit say, you're the person for the job. So now he was the one surprised. And we went for a long walk that afternoon, and he shared this with me. And I wondered aloud if maybe that was the reason that we were to start packing. So a few hours later, uh, we had dinner with people that we'd never met before. And as we were just introducing ourselves, getting to know each other, Suresh shared about his work overseas his leadership capacity, uh, equipping people. And one woman blurted out, you need to come and work at head office. And somebody else at the table affirmed the need for somebody like Suresh. So we left that meal feeling like the Holy Spirit had gone from whispering to shouting. Um, And the following morning, we asked if we could meet with Bram and with his wife, Donna. We shared what we'd been hearing and sensing, and they affirmed that we should move forward in the process of interviewing for the position. When we returned to Toronto from the seminar, we met with our immediate supervisors, with Pastor Sunder, with an elder who'd been walking with Suresh over the years, with several of our friends here, and just shared what had happened and asked for feedback. Even though it was less than two weeks to our return to the field, we saw how God in his wisdom had pre-planned things, because the week before we left, we had set aside as a personal prayer retreat for the two of us. And we spent that week going away in the mornings, each of us to our own places, praying and coming together over lunch and sharing. And we just saw this amazing unity in what God was saying to us. Uh, Suresh was offered the job a few hours before we returned to Istanbul. But we continued to receive confirmation uh, in the form of a a co-worker saying he sensed that this was our last uh, term back, even before we had left. Our, Our landlady saying that she wanted to sell the house and asking if we would be gone by next summer. Um, And over the months that followed, as we went through many ups and downs in this journey, and as we processed the decision to move to Jamestown, so many of you were instrumental in praying, in sharing your prayers, in sharing specific scriptures and images you'd had from God. So thank you for that.
3: So 2005 is uh, when we left for Istanbul. And 2008, when we were here for the first home assignment, we stayed in the duplex and uh, we came here for the first Sunday. And when we got home, one of our kids said, Mom and Dad, we are famous. I said, What? Because we never thought ourselves that way. They said, our pictures are on the wall. (laughs) And everybody knows our name. (laughs) And 2015, July, we we got back here. Our pictures are no longer on the (laughs) (laughs) Hall of Fame or whatever. And we are not staying at the duplex either. A few things have changed. The question for me is what has not changed? Let me take back to Istanbul. One of the first things everybody asks when they meet us is where are you from? And if I'm not with Cheryl, the second question is are you a Muslim? And my answer is always, I am a follower of Christ. And that throws them into confusion, because that answer does not fit into the boxes that they have for me. So now they are really desperate to find out, am I a Muslim? The third question then they will ask is, what was your father? Meaning, my dad's religion. When you look at, for a Turkish person, that person's identity is very much connected to that person's Father. My question to you is how much of our identity is connected to our Heavenly Father? As I'm catching up on the sermons that I missed last year when we were away, and going through the sermon series called People in a Driven World, uh, Pastor Krishnan asked this critical question. What is the highest blessing of the gospel? And he went on to share this from uh, J.I. Packer's quote, The richest answer I know is that a Christ follower is one who has God as his father. The revelation to the believer that God is his father is in a sense the climax of the Bible. If you want to judge how well a person understands being a follower of Christ find how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers and their whole outlook of life, it means that they do not understand being Christ follower very well at all. And this is summed up in Galatians four four. It says, but when the time came, the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who, under, who are under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba Father. So both from Pastor Krishnan's quote and Galatians four, what it affirms me is, whether I am in Istanbul or whether I'm in Toronto or whether I'm traveling on my work doesn't matter my identity has to be as a follower of Christ I belong to God because he is my father and nothing can change this I mean we have heard this we all know this but at least I struggle the most with it because things like my position my achievements or my so-called achievements, or my kids' achievements, and other things, often replace the identity that I should have in father, and these things take identity. So in a sense, regardless whether you are called to go overseas or here, our identity remains the same, that we are children of God, and he is our father. So what about her calling? Has our calling changed? Most of you know John Stott. He's an Anglican cleric, and he's also considered as one of the important leaders of the modern evangelical movement. And he has visited Toronto many times. During one of his visits, I had the privilege of listening to him in a service context, and after that there was a question and answer session. And somebody asked a question, Dr. Stott, is there an increase in evil? And he paused for a while. It felt like an hour, but it was not. And he responded The nature of darkness is dark. It does not get any more dark. It's the failure of the light to shine in the darkness that the darkness remains dark. The nature of meat left alone, it rots. It's the failure of the salt to enter the meat and preserve it. I never forgot that. I can still picture where he said, what he said. And there are so many moments when I'm sliding back. God will bring this back and remind me you are called to be salt and light, Suresh. And this is captured in Matthew 5 13 to 14. You are salt of the earth, you are light of the world. Let your light shine before, a man, before men in such a way that they may see the good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, if I am to bring it into a nutshell, if what am I called for? It is to be salt and light. So that people may see the Christ message in me and Jesus will be glorified. I have no light to shine on my own. You have no light to shine on your own. Unless you and I connect continuously to the Jesus who is the ultimate light, we cannot be light. And our Rexdale purpose statements captures this,' It's connecting Rexdale to Jesus and to Jesus' purposes. But we have a serious problem in this matter, if you look at it. The first response in the light of opposition, what we do is we withdraw. We build fortress." Let me give you a specific example. If you take any long-standing church in Toronto and tra- trace their roots, they all began in downtown Toronto. When the people in the church, when they got affluent and moved to suburbs, instead of planting a church in suburbs, we moved the church. Then we complained that downtown has gone to dogs, but we failed to be salt and light in downtown. Same thing if you look at any institution we look down, whether it's our schools or hospitals or anything, we complain saying it's become bad. But the nature of darkness is dark. The meat left alone will rot unless you and I enter there and preserve it and shine the light. And that's risk-taking. But we play it safe. We play church It's easy to be salt and light in these four walls. My challenge is to be salt and light in my place of of assignment and your place of assignment. But that's where we are called to be salt and light. So that's the second thing. Whether you are called to serve right here in these four walls in a full-time capacity or somewhere out there, yours and my calling is the same. Be salt and light so that our God will be glorified as men and women see we shine His light. So what has changed? What has changed is actually my place of engagement, my assignment has changed. I no longer go to a workplace, a business context in Turkey, where in that business leadership development context, we share the gospel and we disciple people and mentor others so that they could mentor. That has changed. I go to uh, Christian Ministry Alliance head office most of the days and there my job is to build capacity in people in leadership development and other related skills and also improve the systems and processes so that they can serve the IWs over there who are called to be salt and light. That's what has changed. For Cheryl, she is no longer connecting with the women and others in Istanbul, but she is connecting here at Camberton and uh, Jamestown so that she can be salt and light. And this is our prayer to our kids too. But what we have noticed is, including ourselves, we are very good in passing on culture. Culture is important, but the culture void of spirit-filled transformation, it extends culture without the power to resist. And no wonder, when we look at the statistics, uh, and one of our elders and I, we looked over a period of five years where we knew the youth very well. Out of four youth, today only one youth is walking with Christ. And I believe one of the reasons is, you and I played it safe, and that's what we modeled. We withdrew. We withdrew so we could protect our children, but the very same withdrawal actually protected the children in the wrong way. They don't know how to face the thing because we are not being salt and light. But we live with attention. The very fact you and I are called is both local as well as global and it is attention especially when it comes to allocating your time, allocating your money, allocating your energy. It's a tension at the individual level, tension at the family level, and the tension at our church level. And how do we work with this tension? Let me illustrate you a story. Neil here. Let's assume Neil lives in a neighborhood where everybody is drinking polluted water and they are sick. And if they continue, death is there waiting. Thankfully, Neil and a few like-minded others have discovered a place where there is clean water. Not only they discovered, they found a way to channel this water all the way to the houses where people are still drinking this polluted water. But guess what? These people keep on rejecting Neil and his friends' offer. But they are persevering in their neighborhood where they are living. Then Peter comes along with his travels to South Africa and other places and he tells Neil, hey, I know another community, they're exactly like your community, they're also drinking polluted water. But there is one significant difference. The people that Peter encountered, not only they continue to drink this polluted water, they don't even have any idea there is pure water. And nobody is taking them any pure water, and that's the contrast when we look at local and global. There are over a billion people belonging to hundreds of people groups who have never heard the name of Jesus. I am not saying ignore the local context. That's why we moved into Kendallton, sorry Jamestown, and connecting to Kendleton. We are as committed as most of you to local. But when it comes to allocating time, money and resources, it better be out of proportion towards global because the sheer undone task that's out there. That's the tension you and I are called to live with, both holding the local and the global, but somewhere this allocation should shift more towards global. That's one of the reasons that excites us. Pastor Krishna has kept that vision before us for the last 20 plus years. Oh, sorry. I've been here 20 plus years. He has been here much longer, 35 plus years. The global context. And we need both. And there are some practical ways how you can respond this morning. To some of you, it's a recommitment and doing a little more. To some of you, it's a first-time commitment. So Trevor will come over and take us through this challenge.
0: We want to give you guys an opportunity to reflect a little bit on what God is is speaking to you. Uh, What your role in the mission is going forward. And we want to give you a time to respond. In your bulletin this morning, you would have seen a response sheet. There should be two copies in each bulletin. And I'm not sure if the ushers have a few extra, they can be circulating. Um, If you need one, you can put your hand up. The purpose of this is to put on paper your commitment to God's global mission. You'll see several options on there that you can think through, pray through, And commit to. As Suresh has said. Maybe maybe you're already on the journey. And you're here. But you need to get to here. Maybe you're already here. And you need to get to here. This is between you. And the Lord. Maybe he's just nudging you. A little bit. Encouraging you. Spurring you on. And maybe there's something you've heard either today, last week, in one of the other missions conference events that has touched you, that has made you think and reconsider. So as the worship team begins our final song, we invite you to make a, a public statement with your response form and to deposit the, the form in the vase at the front. Whenever you're ready, please make your way to the front and commit to a new adventure, a new role in God's mission.
3: So my benediction to you is, it is both to you and to me God will wake you up each day and clothe you with his identity, affirming you and I are sons and daughters of God. We need that because we leak. The second blessing I want to give you is you and I have been placed in different places of assignment, but regardless which place of assignment God has put you in, Your identity, your calling will be lived out boldly and courageously. (coughs) Go in Jesus' name.